it's easy for people not to feel important. I think it's easy for people to feel forgotten and feel like nobody cares about them. And I think that one of the big sources of that affirmation should come from within. Hi, I'm Sean, and this is Boss Fight, a podcast about the real-life challenges we face and how we overcome them. Even the most positive forces you know can be dealing with the shadows of depression and self-doubt. Ryan Robinson is one of those people you'd be surprised to learn the depths of where he's been or what he's had to deal with. Constantly a source of joy and support for others, it took forming his own party of support to tackle the raid boss of depression when he just couldn't handle it on his own. Hey, welcome to Boss Fight, where we know game over isn't the end. It's just another opportunity to get better. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Hi, thank you for having me. All right. Well, I know you pretty well, but uh, I like to give everyone listening a chance to get to know you. So I like to start off with a segment called Create a Character. First up is you in real life. If you had a character class, what would that class be? I think my character class would probably be Frendo. Frendo. Yeah. That's, see, it's like, it's one of my favorite words. I like, I like saying Frendo. And also I think that like, if I had to classify myself as anything, it would, you know, it would be a friend, you know, uh, that's one of the things that I put the most energy into. And I think it's something that I focus a lot of my time on. So yeah, uh, that would definitely, that would definitely fit. So what stats does a Frendo excel at? Oh, glad you asked. So <laughs> pretty high empathy stat. Okay. And also a pretty high uh, emotional intelligence stat. Nice. And uh, if we're going with traditional shit, then we're talking like, uh, I got a really good dialogue stat. Mm-hmm. So I'm really good at that. All right. But um, I don't know. I, I, think I, I think I have a lot of stats. Some of them. <laughs> and I, and if, I, if I'm getting unlimited, because I feel like I'm getting unlimited points here, so I'm just going to max them all out. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so um, those are the those are the big ones. Uh, also, um, probably a really good listening stat because I'm I'm really good at listening. I'm really good at right. listening. People. So, uh, <laughs> got some insight into your stats, but like, what what would your special ability be as as friendo? Giving advice. Give me advice. I think I give. I think I I've been giving advice to people like for a really long time, and I think like most everybody has, right? Like, I think everybody who has friends has given their friends advice. But I feel like people come to me for advice a lot. Whether or not they take it is another matter entirely. But I feel like people come to me for advice a lot. And I I put a lot of effort into, you know, making sure that I'm I'm giving them thoughtful advice and trying really hard to put them in a frame of mind that eases their uh, their anxiety. Because um, I think a lot of the time when people come to pe- when people come to you for advice. I honestly believe that most of the time they already know the answer. Like they already know what they should do. Mm-hmm. I think that the big thing is that they're having trouble with figuring out the kind of the pros and cons or getting up the courage to do the thing that they should do. So in giving people advice, I just try to make it so that the right thing to do sounds can sounds as close to the easy thing to do as possible mm-hmm. gotcha. it's not always the case but you know i do what i can with that so it's not so. just a straight like telling them what to do but you got to kind of like boost yeah. them up at the same time right well yeah because i think that like again people know what to do right people already know the answer to a lot of their problems right um i think that 
like when it comes to like social problems that they're having or like any sort of indecision that they're having, I think that they already know what they want to do or what, what the right path forward is for them. Um, it just, I think for a lot of people, it does help to have someone else like reinforcing that idea or putting it in your head, like, Hey, you know, this is the right thing to do. You're making the right decision. This is, this is why this is how it's going to benefit you. This is how, this is how you're going to feel if you do this. This is how you're going to feel if you, this is how you're probably going to feel if you don't do this. And like giving people that, uh, giving people that incentive to kind of put themselves in the right position, I guess, is just, you know, what I'm trying to do yeah. most of the time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I don't know. I think we have a, a hard time trusting ourselves sometimes, especially if you're the kind of person going to people for advice. It's like, yeah, you, you do. Yeah, you know what you need to do, but like you don't really trust it coming from yourself or you don't trust your own judgment. And so it's very reassuring to get like the same thing back from sure. somebody else and to have yeah, that person sure. like tell you that they think you can do it too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that we all need that, right? I think that, I think that in a, in the ways that we've been a lot of the way that we've been socialized, I think a lot of the time it comes down to making a decision between fast and easy or hard and deliberate. And, and that choice isn't always something it's not always easy to make because I think we've been socialized to use the fast and easy route because we're used to instant gratification. We're used to getting the results that we want or getting results of any kind right away. And so the option, a lot of the time, the option when it comes down to, when it comes down to like choosing what I should do versus what I want to do is it's not always cut and dry because I think a lot of the time people will it's like, look, I, if I, if I'm going to do what, if I want to do what I think I should do, then there's all this other shit that I got to do. And there's all this, there's all these other things that I have to deal with. Whereas if I do what I want to do, I could just be over. I could just be done with it and let the chips fall where they may. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that it comes down more to like uh, short-term thinking versus long-term thinking. And I think that a lot of people tend to sabotage themselves with short-term thinking uh, because they want those results right then, as opposed to like investing in themselves and trusting in themselves to, you know, use a longer timeline to get to ultimately where they where they want to be. So, you know, I think that that's a lot of the time when why people come to other people for advice. Because I think that and, and on some level, like you know what you should do, but you're hoping that what the person says to you is, "Hey, do the fast and easy thing," yeah. because <laughs> you know why not? So, you know, I I'm not really much for platitudes or. Or blowing smoke, you know. So yeah, you're giving people um, what they what they need, not what they want. Yeah, because yeah. they, I mean, because they're already telling themselves what they want to hear, right? right? And I mean, you can go to and like you can find a million different ways to get the thing that you want to hear. I think there's like a million different people out there on like million different like forums and message boards and all that shit who will just tell you what you want to hear and reinforce some like w- weird bias that you already have. Uh, and I think that there is something to talking to someone and trusting them enough to tell them what they need to hear as opposed to giving them an easy out or an easy option. Right. So that's what I think. And, and, and I, that's, and I honestly think that I think I, I I don't know. I think I'm really good at giving advice. And uh, the problem is that a lot of times it's like unsolicited. Uh, (laughs) So, which is like, as, as someone who does not really like receiving unsolicited advice, I know that is very annoying. And that's something that I'm actively working on, but 
even still, like I, if I see someone, if I, if I see someone struggling with the same thing over and over and over for the same reason, every time, then I, I'm compelled to, mm. you know, try to intervene yeah. somehow. That's why I was just about to go into uh, your weakness. Do you think that would, that would qualify? No, I don't think so. Um, I think that is like, it's definitely something that I could, that I could kind of work on, but it's definitely not my weakness. Okay. Um, I think that my weakness, honestly, is, uh, I need to be affirmed a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I'm very much someone who's who ascribes to the five love to the five love languages, and I am a words of affirmation person, um, to a fault. Honestly, uh, I think that um, there are a lot of times where I need that affirmation, like seemingly out of nowhere, a lot of the time, um, and it's or like and especially like if I've made a mistake mm-hmm. or if I've somehow hurt someone that I care about. Or if I've mildly annoyed somebody, I like I feel like it sticks with me, right? And so I tend to uh, compartmentalize it a lot, and then like it stays in that little box. But like I open that box all the time, mm-hmm. and I just when I feel like I've slighted or wronged somebody or I've annoyed them, then I always feel like I need to hear like, "Hey, you're not you're not mad at me, right? Are you mad at me? Because I feel like mm-hmm. you might be mad at me." And they, and they might not even like that's the thing too is like. A lot of time they're not even thinking about the thing that I think that they're thinking about, right? right? They've they've usually long like they've usually like for example, I'll like I'll have a I'll have a conversation on on a comment thread, right? And mm-hmm. then as as you know, I tend to get very impassioned with these conversations, and I think that sometimes I have it, like in that I have a sometimes I have a tendency to not articulate myself very well. Or, commun- or communicate like my true feelings about a thing and it can usually be misconstrued and then I'll get and, and you know a lot of times people will have like an adverse reaction to that and then so I I dwell on that and I'll just be like and I'll, and I'll probably come back to it later like hey um are you mad at me because I feel like you're mad at me because I feel like our I feel like our dynamic is off now and I'm and, but like they're probably not even thinking about it but I'm thinking about mm-hmm. it so and so I, a lot of times I need someone like I need you know hey like you know, Ryan, you're doing a great job. You're doing well. Or Ryan, you're you're a great guy. Like I like these are things that I constantly crave. Honestly, like even at work, when I have like my like I'll like I'll turn in some work, and like you know normally what I'll do is I'll turn in work at the end of the day, and then um, what I'll do is like after I turn in the work, I'll let my I'll let my boss know, and and I'll stick around and wait for him to acknowledge it. Like and like and like hopefully and like. And then there's the thing too, is that like, I get the affirmation comes in the form of like, if he's like, thanks Ryan. And the thanks Ryan has an exclamation point at the end mm. that I'm, then I was like, that feels real good. That's, that's my, that's the affirmation I needed. Right. Mm. Or thanks Ryan. That, that's great. Great work this week or something like that. Right. But then it will be like, but if I get a response, that's like T Y Ryan, no exclamation point mm. or just T Y. Then I, then I was like, I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> What is, what is that? What is that? What's going on? So, you know, I, I need a lot of reassurance and uh, affirmation. And that's something that even after, you know, it's something that I've dealt with for my entire life. Like even at 36 years old, I still, I still struggle with it. But I think that if I could overcome that, you know, I probably would be able to um, approach situations with more confidence. I think, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the, I think a lot of my, a lot of my lack of confidence comes from like, the idea that either someone doesn't approve or doesn't like it or it's going to piss somebody off. And 
Like there are times when I care about pissing people off and there are times when I just don't care about pissing people off. It really just depends. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to like my friends and people that I respect, like I am very sensitive to that. Yeah. That, uh, that urge for, for affirmation is probably my weakest thing. And like everybody in my life is enabling me with it. So <laughs> it's probably just going to stay a weakness for the rest of my life. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a hard one to get over too. And it's, it's like such a balance too. Cause it's like, I think everyone needs some level of affirmation, you know, but yeah. you don't want it to be like this, this, uh, reliance, like this thing, like you said, like there's, there's, it's kind of volatile, you know, you're like, sure. Like, like you're the discussion with your boss, you know, it's like, depending on whether they use an explanation, exclamation mark or a period. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you read into that just because of the way that you're wired, but like, they might not yeah. mean anything by it. And, uh, yeah, it's, but yeah, it's also, it's like, we should be affirming each other all the time. We sure. really should be. Yeah. 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 And I you know I, I try to do that. You know, I, I try to, that's the kind of energy that I try to put out into the world a lot of the time is making people feel like I want, number one, I want, I always want people to feel like they're important. Um, I think that especially people of our generation, we tend to, um, with like the things that we have to deal with and a lot of things that are going on around us, I think it's easy for us to feel like we're not important, which is, it's just ironic because I think that the generations before us, like the generation Xers and the boomers, they tend to think that like we're uh, hypersensitive and that we like we thrive on participation trophies and they, they call us snowflakes because everybody's got to be special, right? But here's the thing is that the age in which we live, like, you know, I think that with the proliferation of like the digital age and the way that we communicate and this being inundated constantly with content from all angles, I think it's really easy for people to feel not only that they're not special, but that they're just completely anonymous, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that it's, 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 it's crucial, I think, for people to feel important, especially now when we have been going through, like, I think probably the, one of the biggest crises of our lives, probably of the last century, it's easy for people not to feel important. I think it's easy for people to feel forgotten and uh, feel like, you know, nobody cares about them. And I think that one of the, one of the big, sources of that affirmation should come from within. And so I try to remind people that, hey, like you're really, you know, you're a lot more special than you think. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people uh, who would be very sad if they, if you, you know, certainly weren't around anymore. And I think that we have, I think that we've lost a sense of what our presence in people's lives mean. And we don't really have much of a concept of how how you know we enhance the lives of others so what i want people like the energy that i try to put out is like hey you are special you know hey you are important you're capable you're smart you know and you should give yourself more credit because i don't think people give i think people like i think people shit on on themselves a lot i don't know why i think that like like for me like you know when i get compliments i'm like really like I, I take them, you know, I'm, I'm just like, yeah, you know, you're right. That is me, you know, or I am, I'm part of this community where, um, like we have this thing where we regularly offer words of affirmation to each other and everybody in a lot of the people in that community, when, cause we like, we like elect to give like, we like, Hey, I'm, I'm wanting to put out words of affirmation for this person. Mm -hmm. And that person's reaction is always like, no, don't do that. No, 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 no. But like, for me, I'm just, I'm always just like, yeah 
give it to me. Yeah. Give me all of that. Yep. Like, give me that. And like, yes, yeah, say all these great things about me because they're all true. Right. Um, and I think that we have, I think that everybody should believe that about themselves. Cause I think that people see them that way because that is, that is who we have shown them that we are. Mm-hmm. Right. If someone says, Hey, you are this excellent person. You are, you are smart, you are caring, you are given, you are capable, and you are just an all-around beautiful person. Mm-hmm. There isn't a reason for us not to believe that. Because if we have shown that person that that is what we are to the point where they feel the need to let us know that they feel that way about us, then chances are that is who you are. And we need to get ourselves back to the idea of believing that about ourselves. Yeah. I think we we think that we know ourselves like so much better than other people do. Yeah. But like I don't know, the, the whole concept of self is so weird. And it's like really like if you if you define who you are by what you do, then like who you are is, you know, how you're treating other people. And if they say something, if, you, if they say you're a nice person, even though like you're like, oh, but I think all these terrible things. It's like, yeah, everybody thinks things all the time. But like if you're the kind of person that's saying nice things or doing nice things and that person's calling you a nice person, just take them at their word. I honestly, I think that like at, at a certain point, right? Uh, it wasn't so long ago that I felt, I myself felt like I was an un- unlovable and an unlikable person. I had people in my life telling me that that wasn't true. I had people in my life going out of their way to show me that that wasn't true, uh, but I couldn't shake it. And, you know, it took a lot of, it took a lot of effort and uh, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's going to therapy. That's, that's, that's self-reflection. That's all that stuff. It took a lot of effort to like get myself to the point where I'm just like, you know what, maybe what there, maybe there's something to what these people are saying. And, you know, which by the way, I think everybody should go to therapy and like everybody, everybody like, as a blanket therapy. statement, absolutely. Everybody should be in therapy because I think that a lot of where our self-worth comes from is like the state of our mental health. Right. And I think that if we're not taking care of we're not taking care of our mental health, then it's really hard for us to maintain a positive outlook of ourselves. And I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said our sense of self is it's a weird thing, right? Because like, it's like when you're working on a project, right? You're working on it for a really, really long time. And you're really close to this project. And like you have put a lot of yourself in this project, right? But you're so close to it that it's a, that it's a situation where it's like, can't see the forest for the trees kind of situation, right? Mm-hmm. And it takes someone else looking at it to give you a more objective view of what the state of that project is. And that's what I think about when it comes to how we see ourselves is that I think a lot of the times like our, our opinions of ourselves can be distorted and that could be for any number of different reasons. Like we might've had shitty people in our lives who've been telling us that we're not worth anything, or maybe it's just something in our heads that's telling us that we're not worth anything. And so having someone out there who is like, Hey, listen, like you are really a good, you're a really good person. These are the reasons why. These are the things that you've done. This is how you've helped me. This is how you've made my life better just by being here. Um, and that's important to people. And I think that, I think so when I put that energy out into the world, I want people to take it to heart. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I said, I'm not for platitudes. I don't like blowing smoke up people's asses because I don't see the point in it. Yeah. Um, if, I th- if I think someone is a good person, I will tell them. Right? And conversely, if I think that they're a shitty person, I will also tell them. Just take me at my word when I, when, when I tell you these are the things that I feel about you. And these are the things that I know to be true about you. Mm-hmm. And the more I think people get used to the idea of hearing that, the more they'll start believing it for themselves. And then the more they'll, they'll feel comfortable with, with sharing their feelings about, uh, about others with these people. Mm-hmm. 
And that's that. That's the most important thing. I think that especially like now we've been stuck at like we've been stuck at home for a year and a half now, right? And some of us we don't have like some of us are stuck at home by ourselves. Like I mean, you and I we're lucky enough to to have a family that we can that we can shack up with. Mm-hmm. But there are people who are who are stuck at home just like all, all they've got is is their thoughts, right? Right. And you spend enough time by yourself sometimes like it just it starts to get to you, and then you start feeling a certain way about yourself. So reaching out to these people, reaching out to people, especially in the in the face of the biggest, one of the biggest global disasters of our time, letting people know that they that they matter, that they mean something, and that they're not just a number, they're not just a face, they're not just a profile on Facebook. They're a they're a human with value, and they are a human who is worth respect. And every time I every time I hear that somebody was moved by something that I said. I, and they thank me for it. I'm like, no, don't thank me like that. I, like I'm only like these are this like this is you. All I'm doing is reporting on what kind of person you are. You did all this, so you don't thank me for what you are. Yeah, take credit for like, it. Thank yourself. Like, take credit. Like because like I was saying yesterday, we don't give ourselves enough credit for making it as far as we have. I think people. I think people really don't put a lot of stock into how much effort it takes to. Just live. Yeah, just keep life. going. Yeah, like it's it's it is hard. Like especially like as shit keeps piling up. Like we've got climate disaster. We've got economic. We are on the verge of economic collapse. Like all the time, mm-hmm. and we're on the verge of like another world war all the time. There's always something piling up, and so it's hard. It can be hard. Like these things are pile up, and they are they can get really depressing. Mm-hmm. And so the amount of effort it takes to get through the day, the amount of effort it takes to just like try to have a positive outlook is immense, whether people realize it or not. And, you know, it can be exhausting. And so giving yourself that credit, giving yourself like, hey, good job for yesterday. Even if all you did was get out of bed, even if all you did was get out of bed, give yourself credit for that. Like if you ate something, give yourself credit for that Mm -hmm. because you might not be eating enough. If you drank some water, give yourself credit for that. If you took your meds today, give yourself credit for that because you deserve it. Because all of these things take effort. All of these things take up a certain amount of mental bandwidth. And all of us, whether we want to admit it or not, has a finite amount of that. So if we're able to dedicate any amount to doing these things that are important, then you should absolutely give yourself credit for it. You know, that's that's what I think. And I don't even remember what the question was. I kind of just went on a photo. That was good. On a thing. Yeah, that was all about you. That was that, that was beautiful. So now I guess let's talk about video games and shit. After after sure. all that, uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, what are you what are you playing right now? Oh, dude. Okay, so you know me as a. Uh, I think a lot of people know me as like this fighting game guy. So I haven't been playing a lot of them because I've been playing a lot of games with my wife lately. Which you know uh, we and like we play fighting games here and there, but I think we've been focusing on other things. Uh, the one thing I did do was I tried. I went. I got into the Guilty Gear Strive beta. It's an open beta. I think it's over now. Just to try it out to see how that game is coming out. Very excited about it. Um, I'm looking forward to getting my ass kicked at 1,000 miles per hour in that game. But uh, yeah, my wife and I have been playing a lot of Borderlands lately, like a lot of it. Um, that's, so that's we a went through Borderlands. Yeah, yeah, we went. So we went through. Um, we went through Borderlands three. Like I, so when she and I started dating, I tried to get her, tried to introduce her to Borderlands via Borderlands two, and she wasn't into it. Like it's just like visually, she just it wasn't her thing. And I think like she doesn't play a lot of shooters anyway, so she wasn't really into it. But like mid last year, I think I got Borderlands Three, and I played that for like hours, right? And so like hours and hours and hours and hours a day. 
And then so like eventually like she like she's looking at me and she's like, she's like, do you think I like this game? Do you think I like this game? Because it got loot and she likes loot, mm-hmm. right? And so she's like, do you think I like this game? So I was like, yeah, I mean, give it a shot. And we started playing Borderlands 3 together and then like she was just hooked on it. Now, so uh, I watched her. I played a little Borderlands 1 with her. She went through all of it like on her own. Um, but now we've been playing Borderlands 2 a lot. We're going through the first DLC right now. So that's been a lot of fun. Uh, also, I've been playing Returnal. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't know if you if you if you've heard of if you've heard of the classic roguelike uh, Returnal. So I hadn't played Returnal in a few days uh, because, like, I kind of got sidetracked with like No Man's Sky, which is another game that I've been playing. But um, yeah, yeah, they they patched it and like there's like this whole functionality in the end that I didn't know about uh, until like they were like, hey, there's this whole. So basically, like, you'll find dead play the bodies of dead players as you're working your way through the biomes and you can you have the opportunity to salvage what they have uh, so like spend your there's a resource in the game called ether and you can spend some ether to salvage what they have or you can earn ether by avenging them presumably avenging them by killing the the monster that they that that killed them i don't know if it's a monster that killed them i think they just generate a monster to for you to fight mm-hmm. and then if you kill the monster then you get the the ether but it's been a, it's a really fun mechanic it's like it's very it's very neat um it's uh sometimes like i'll find somebody like they'll have like a gun that i never seen before so I'll, i'm like oh hell yeah i didn't know this gun was in the game or like i'll get like a health pickup or something mm-hmm. but i've also like fought i've also avenged them and i got a bunch of ether so i think it's a really neat mechanic i finally beat the second boss last night well this morning at 5 a.m because <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, i like i like that's the thing too right i think like and, and i think like we've both been part of conversations where uh, one of the big criticisms is how long the runs are in that game, mm-hmm. which they are long. I, I will not. I, they absolutely are long. They're like an hour and a half each, usually. But like, it's like, so you get to the boss, you spend all this time getting to the boss, and the boss kills you and you got you to start over mm-hmm. again. And it's a slog because sometimes because like, it's not a 15 minute thing. It's like an hour and a half thing, right? Right. But so I got to the second, I, I, I got to the second boss like weeks ago. I just haven't been able to beat him. Uh, but I, I got to him last night because like my wife and I were watching uh, watching this show until like three in the morning. And then I was like, you know what? Now would be a good time to play some Returnal. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, so uh, so I got to the second boss the one time I was like geared up, ready to go. I was I had all the shit that I needed. I had a I had an extra life ready to go. I had my weapon all, all leveled up mm-hmm. and I get him down to like a sliver of health. I make a miscalculation, he kills me. And I was just. I was like, I was like, you know what? I should go to bed. But I was like, you know what? I feel like I'm gonna, if I feel like if I go to bed now, I'm going to be upset. So I get one more shot and then I, you know, I, I got him. And so I got to the third biome. And so I'm seeing what that's about. It's a lot of robots and shit, but um, yeah, it's so far. It's a, uh, Returnal is great. I just think that like, I think that, I think that it's weird. It's a weird oversight that they did not anticipate that people might want to be able to, like especially like with the way video games are built now, like quit mid run, right? Is that the yeah, yeah? I think I think because like people have lives, man. Yeah. Like I mean, I don't have human children, so like my <laughs> my I'm like I'm very flexible with like I can be more flexible with like my time and like you know how much time I spend with my hobbies. Mm-hmm. But like other people, like they got kids or they're on call at their job and like uh, having to quit like a run that you're really deep into. Because you have to tend to something like that's like actually important mm-hmm. can be kind of like it kind of it's kind of, it can kind of put a, a damper on the whole experience. So I think it's kind of it's it was a weird assumption I think on their part. Yeah, with how long they designed these runs to be, I think it's, it was just a weird assumption and a weird oversight on their part. 
not to have some kind of say functionality built in. So now they're having now house markets having to do all this shit to kind of figure out, okay, well, how do we build a save feature into this game that we built without one? Right. So right. I wish them luck in figuring that out because it's, it's not as easy. I think, uh, especially like from a programming standpoint, it's not easy. It's not as easy as just like, like just shoving it in there. Right. When you insert something into your code, then now you have to go back and make sure it didn't break a bunch of other shit. Exactly. Yeah. And so it, it can be, it's, it's a really difficult task. So I wish them luck in figuring out how to make that work. But uh, yeah. So um, also I have been playing, I've been playing a little bit of um, of Ace Combat Seven. Is it seven? Whatever the whatever the newest one is. Yeah. Whatever the newest one is, I've I played a little bit of that. Uh, but last, the most important one. Well, not the okay. The second most important one, Sean. Second most important one is Yakuza Three. Aha. Uh-huh. I want to talk. I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell you something about. Have you played Yakuza? Have you played any of the Yakuza games? I have before? not. I've I've wanted to for a long time. They're at like what eight now. And that's not counting like spinoffs. Uh, you have this. You have the six. You have the six uh, numbered Yakuza games. No, wait. Yeah, you have the, the eight numbered Yakuza games. Wait, no, well, seven. Because zero, zero through six. You have zero through six. Oh, okay, all right. And so that's so that's that's seven numbered Yakuza uh-huh. games, right? Then you, then you have like a dragon. Uh-huh. Then you also have Judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you, but you also have like there's like Yakuza Dead Souls and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I want to tell you something about Yakuza. Sean, if you are a dad who likes being a dad in video games, mm-hmm. there are not there is not a cooler dad than Kazuma Kiryu. I promise you. So, without giving too much away, because if because for anybody who's listening or for yourself who might plan on playing these games, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to give too much away. What I will say is that the premise of Yakuza Three is my favorite premise of the entire series thus far, because. Basically, in this game, you are just you are a dad who fights other people sometimes. But like most of the stuff that you're doing in the game seems to be centered around being a dad. And it's really neat uh, because like sometimes people like come mess with your kids and you're like, well, now we got to scrap. And then so like so you're fighting people. But uh, but then it's also like kid you dealing with his the, the, the his ties to like mafia shit. But like it's a really cool game. But like the problem, the big thing about it is that unlike one and two, the Yakuza's three through five didn't get that whole like update treatment, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because Yakuza one and, and Yakuza two, Yakuza one and two, those are PS2 games. Mm-hmm. And mechanically, they, I don't think they would have aged well. So it's really good that like, that they got that updated treatment. Yakuza three through f- three through five like they're just PS, they're PS3 games, mm-hmm. right? They got their visuals touched up a little yeah. bit, but but like they still very much look like PS3 games, and they but like most importantly, they still very much play like three PS3 games. Well, I, I can only speak through to three, but P, P, uh, Yakuza Three very much plays like a PS3 game, and you can tell like it, it just feels it feels old mechanically. But I think that the biggest it, the biggest thing about Yakuza is the story, anyway. So yeah, so and then lastly. As you know, the the new expedition started in No Man's Sky. I do know that. Yes, <laughs> I have a few feelings about it. Yeah. So I'm gonna get the good out of the way first. So this new expedition uh, called Beachhead is very fast paced. It's only two weeks long, 
So like those, I'm not gonna use objectives out like 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 rapidly, mm-hmm. right? Which is great. It's fine. It's great. I I'm, I'm enjoying the progression. I, I'm liking the rewards. I I got a new I got a really cool new ship out of it. But uh, yeah, I just I like I like I like No Man's Sky. I've I've put a lot of hours. I put hundreds of hours into No Man's Sky, and and this uh these uh these expeditions are great. Like I think that I think that I'm somebody who I do like open world games a lot. I like open world games where like the whole make your own adventure type games. I like those games a lot, but I'm also someone who kind of needs structure in a way. Mm-hmm. I like there because I find those games are more fun when someone is telling me what to do, which I think yes is antithetical to a lot of the design of these kinds of games. But the uh, but I like I like taking objectives off a list. I like I like there's the 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 the, the dopamine uh, flows freely when I have stuff like that, right? right? So these these seasonal expeditions that they that they're releasing they do that and so they keep me they really keep me engaged so i've been liking this new one um i've been liking this new expedition uh it's got objectives like helping a stranded alien somewhere or finding a crashed freighter somewhere and it keeps you it keeps you moving around a lot and uh you go to these for people who don't know you like in the expeditions you you for for every stage you go to a different planet you go to like a different rendezvous point on a different planet and if you have your multiplayer enabled like you'll see other people congregating at these rendezvous points and you'll also see like people leave messages for each other uh and that's it's it's really neat um it's like somebody called it like the amazing race in no man's sky is what they people called it which i thought was kind of neat now the bad thing i was really upset yesterday sean when i got on the internet Mm -hmm. yesterday morning because they spoiled it for me they spoiled the big reveal for me no man's sky did hello games did they spoiled it yeah and what was with that? Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I just feel like so for we, like we, we gonna, can talk about that here because I think by the time this releases, like, I think I don't think you could even do it anymore anyway. So yeah, so basically, Hello Games like posted and like a really big post because okay, so this was this whole reveal was tied behind a community goal, which is like a it's, it's a thing that's been that's existed in the game for a couple of years, I think. Um, but usually, when the community goal is completed everybody who participated in the advancement of that goal gets a reward and usually it's in the form of quicksilver which is you know the currency the in-game currency that is used to buy like different cosmetics and, and stuff like that but so there was a community goal baked into this expedition which the reward for that is they would show you like they would reveal that the normandy you might know the normandy from the mass effect series it's the it's a very iconic ship from the mass effect series they put it all over the internet that they, uh, they had some kind of cross crossover with that. And it really bummed me out. I'm realizing now, also, as we're recording this, that I've also ruined it for my wife. And I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling regret about that. But it was, a, it was a bummer, right? Because like, I think that it would have been a very cool thing for people to see like, hey, like, this, is, like, this is a thing. Like, they should have, I feel like that, that should have been handled a different way. I don't know. I don't think they should have been. I think I don't think it should have been tied to a community goal. I think it should have been tied to like something else. I don't know. I think it should have been tied to like the completion of one of your objectives in the expedition, and then like so that people could see it like individually and be like, "Oh man, that's so great!" Mm-hmm. And then maybe at the end of the expedition, be like, "Hey, this is what we did during the expedition." Right. So I got really bummed out because like that would have been a really cool reveal for me. That would be a really cool thing for me to happen upon, but you know, like. And I and I, I think that le- other people who aren't as invested in this sort of thing like probably didn't think it was a big deal. 
Like they're probably they're probably like, oh, that's a really cool thing that that they're doing, and that, that's that's great. But you know, I I would have liked to have seen it. So I was a little I was a little annoyed yesterday about it. Yeah, that's something that's really really hard in like our you know connected world right now. It's like it's very hard to control the the way you're exposed to certain things. You know. Yeah. Um, especially, especially things like that. It's like, and with like media and stuff too, like I think everyone has their own preferences about like the way that they want to be like introduced to things or like, yeah, it, it would be a very cool moment. I think to like n- have not known that and unlock it in game and see it there for yourself and be, have that be your discovery, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, and, and th- this is, this is, this is me speaking as someone who has somehow managed to avoid hearing the ending of Mass Effect 3 for the last 10 years. <laughs> I don't know how I've managed it. Even like even with like the whole thing with like the way that the whole thing happened and like the whole the whole like internet firestorm that erupted as a result of it. I've somehow managed to like not have that the end of that game spoiled for me. Uh which now that I've said that, I'm gonna like my phone will know that I've said that and I'll get online <laughs> and it'll say, here's a Mass Effect 3 ending. Uh but, yeah, you gotta be um, really so careful like, with that remaster because it feels like a lot of the like news articles are assuming that everyone's already played it, you know? Yeah, which is, like, weird, right? Because I feel like the... So, I guess that's another thing that I've been, like, just they completely slipped my mind that I've been playing that, but um, that's another thing about... That's weird about remasters, right? Because, like, I do honestly think that a good percentage of why remasters exist, especially remasters like this, is for people who've never played the games before. Mm-hmm. Um, because like for people who have played the games before, like you're, this is an identical experience, right? They're not, you know, that like you're, you're, you're experiencing the same story, both with the same gameplay, but it's for like for people who have like, I, like I played one and two, but I never got around to three. But like, I think that like a lot of the, a lot of the times, like this, it, this stuff is like made for people who haven't played it before. And I might be wrong about that. I could, I, I could be totally off base with that, but I think that if it hadn't been, like for like the last of us for example right if the last of us didn't get a didn't get a pre- ps4 remaster i probably never would have played it mm-hmm. because by the time like cuz cuz i had a ps3 at a certain point but like my my ps3 got broken and i never was just never i never bought another one because of that like i probably never would have played i probably never would have played the last of us so i think that re- i think that remasters serve serve that purpose for a lot of people um and so when publishers release them, I always think about how easily uh, people could have that stuff spoiled for them. Because like the conversation around about around the Mass Effect uh, remaster could have been like, man, I hope that this thing that happens at the end of Mass Effect three doesn't happen again. And it's like, oh, well, that's spoiled for me. Right. And but uh, luckily, somehow, somehow, I still like I've been listening to podcasts where they like, they talk about Mass Effect three and they keep talking about like the the original ending of that game they keep talking about it and like but they don't say they don't give details they just keep mentioning it mm-hmm. and like I'm always like I got my I got my thumb over the over the pause button just ready to hit pause yeah the moment like a, the hint of a spoiler comes out and I don't know I don't know I don't I don't know like my wife does not isn't she's not sensitive to spoilers and so like she's always trying to just like tell me like like so she'll always like she was watching her friend play Resident Evil eight the other night mm-hmm. and she's like. She's like, hey, can I tell you a Resident Evil 8 spoiler? I'm like, no, don't tell me a Resident Evil 8 spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so like we're we like she she she's more she's very much a more of a journey, not the destination kind of person. Mm-hmm. And I'm really much like both. Like I like I care about the journey, but I also care like where the journey 
like like ends up. Right. Yeah. So uh, with Mass Effect three or not Mass Effect three, but like Mass Effect as a series, right? Um, I think I you saw that like I had talked about like my my big issue with like Mass Effect as a series, which is like well, not Mass Effect, not Mass not Mass Effect specifically, which is prompted but by any it. game. Yeah, but like, but just like any game with like a created character uh, feature. Because I think that like a lot of the time, like it's just a bummer. Because like my my wife and I like we are always like at any time because like one of the first questions my wife asks about a about a game is does this game have character creator? Like because she likes she, she likes to make her own character, so she's like one of the first things that she asks is like does this game have a game a character creator? But as someone who like we both played Mass Effect, you know, and one of the things that like about the about the original Mass Effect, it was two things. One. Male Shepard always looked like like a regular human, whereas Woman Shepard looked like a uh, like she looked like a mannequin with like like weird rubber skin stretched over the head or something. It just like she looked like like something like with real weird plastic surgery going on. The modeling on her face always just looked very strange. Whereas like whereas like Male Shepard always looked like very like a like a normal like a normal guy. Yeah, yeah, right. So that was one of, that was one of the issues. But like the bigger issue is that the options behind behind like like creating a character who isn't white in that game mm-hmm. are like very limited well more specifically the options around creating a character who was black in that game are very limited like the hair options right which like i think to, to somebody who doesn't have to think about that sort of thing like that seems like a very innocuous sort of thing right but like i think especially with one of the reasons for a character creator to exist is like this is the one way you can insert yourself into a video game mm-hmm. right this is this is like the only way that you can put yourself into the video game aside from making the game yourself and then making a character who was you right, right right but like so when i so playing mass effect right like it's very easy for like most people like if you've got if you've got sh- if, if your hair grows out of your hair straight, then there are plenty of options for you. Mm. Whereas if you're someone like like my wife or I, that's not the case. Uh, so it's a little, it's 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 disheartening, right? And I think that like one of the things that we were hoping was when the legendary edition came out that we would have more options to that end. But I mean, we have here's here are the options that we have, Sean. We have bald or you know, or buzz cut. Mm-hmm. Those are the options that we have. Yeah. Or, or well, no, those cornrows don't count because those are those those aren't even cornrows. They're just regular. They're they are braids with like very with very obviously straight hair. So it's just like that stuff like that is like really disappointing. And it's like and and again, it's not just Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. It's every. It's pretty much every game that has a character creator in it. Um, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spend too long on the soapbox. I, I understand, but it's just, but it's, it is frustrating, especially because like because there's there are assumptions about who is playing these games, mm-hmm. right? There are assumptions like those come from assumptions about like who are who is playing these games and like what their identities are. Mm-hmm. And I think that for that to for that to occur, there's just the assumption that black people don't play Mass Effect, I guess. But um, uh, so that was like that's disappointing, but you know the game is you know Mass Effect is it's still Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. There's still you know it's it's still like if you played Mass Effect before, it is still very much it is just it was still Mass Effect. It looks a little better, right? But like it's still you know still the same game that you 
that you know and hate and or love, but yeah. You know what I'm really looking forward to with this uh, Legendary Edition is that when the games came out, I don't think a lot of people played the DLC, you know? Like for Mass Effect 2, like DLC was like a relatively new concept around then. So I don't think a lot of people bought into it. And then uh, Mass Effect 3, I think they made like, they made one of the worst errors that I think you can make with DLC, which is that it feels like cut content from the game, you know? And I don't like, I don't like calling that out because I think a lot of people go to that and say like, oh, this game feels incomplete without the DLC. Like Borderlands is a good example. Borderlands feels perfectly complete without the DLC, but each DLC is like, yes, this is more shit to play. I love this. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's literally like a whole other campaign that you get. Yeah. Yeah. Mass Effect 3, like the DLC is, it's very good, but it's so good that I'm like, this should have been in the game. I mean, like, it makes the whole game make more sense, I guess. It there is there's one yeah. DLC that like they released like it was the very last pack they released and it was like almost a year after the game came out. And um it's completely like standalone basically. It doesn't really tie into the story at all. It is awesome. That is actually probably like an example of some of the best DLC I've played, where it's like, I don't feel like I needed to play this for the game, but like I'm very happy I played it because it was really good. <laughs> Yeah. So like, and I think that my thought process around DLC has always been this. It's just like, so let's go with the, what we've been paying for the last 15 years. If you pay $60 for a game, mm-hmm. right? If you get $60 worth of whatever's on the disc, then, you know, whatever else is supplementary, right? I think it's really easy. I think, I don't know. I think that it's, it's weird, right? I think that like this conversation around DLC has been, is very, is very interesting because I think that like we've been like we've had DLC for longer than they've been calling it DLC. Mm-hmm. It's just we used to call it expansion packs, right? <laughs> so, but then people were like, people have been playing for ex- expansion packs forever, right? Take people who play who've been playing World of Warcraft for the last almost twenty years, right? right. Like that's all stuff that they could that could just like if it wasn't built in the game originally, that's stuff that they could patch into the game. Like the only thing that's stopping you from accessing in the game is like you is a product key right yeah. but it's in the game right so i think that like we tend to it's kind of weird how we sort of think about dlc uh in that way and i think that if like i think that if dlc serves to enhance your enjoyment of a product then that's great mm-hmm. but it's really easy for that stuff to feel like deceptive right yeah uh, it's really easy for that stuff to feel like really predatory but like and that's the thing too is that you don't really know like you, you can't like unless you're unless you're going to go out and read a review and figure out like like let someone else do the legwork and figure out what you're what you're getting into mm-hmm. like outside of that there's not really there's not really a way to know if this dlc is worth your money or not right right so you know uh so i've never i like i finished i went through because i didn't even actually know mass effect 2 had dlc mm-hmm. like I've, i went through that i went through that whole campaign and i had no idea i didn't even know there was more stuff to to play yeah, mass effect 2 has some pretty good dlc too so yeah so looking so yeah, so that but that's all built in now, right? Yeah, like we have yeah. Legendary Edition now, has right? it all. I think they're missing like one piece of DLC from the first game because of like yeah. lost source code or something. But yeah. Uh, so I don't even remember Mass Effect One having DLC, but it is is definitely not necessary. It's like more more Mako missions and stuff. Like you know, everyone's favorite nope. part of the game. So nope, nope. That shit sucks. But like I think, and you know what I what I think I think a lot of like the the sentiment around DLC comes from is that is the famous 2006 horse armor incident mm-hmm. 
that's 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 like that's something that stands out in people's minds still, right? Right. But like, I don't know. I don't think I don't think all DLC is that. And I mean, but then when you get to, when you talk about DLC, you also get into the into the into the cost of like into like the cost of game development mm-hmm. and how much games should cost and like and that the funny thing about that conversation is like nobody ever knows what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah, it's just because it's a conversation where like people they have opinions, but they don't have any like stats or anything to back up their opinions. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just it's all just nonsense. But but like then again, like it's just you decide what the game is worth, right? Right. And then like I'll decide what the game is worth as a consumer. Mm-hmm. They can decide what the game is worth as a person who produced the product. And I mean, if if we don't agree, then we don't agree. Yeah. But you know, I I would like to play more Mass because that's a it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting universe, right? Like these characters are interesting, and the stories that they tell like are interesting, right? I just think that like I think that my investment in Mass Effect is such that like I would like to like I would like to play through one and two again because I want to I want to play three. I want to actually like it's been. Well, it's been like what ten years since since like almost since since Mass Effect three came out. So like I you know I want to I like for better or for worse I want to play through that game. Mm-hmm. Like I am like people have been saying that like Mass Effect peaks with Mass Effect two. Maybe that's true. I, I have no way of knowing, but I want to see where the story goes. I want to see what happens to. I want to see the the end of Shepard's arc. You know, mm-hmm. but because uh, I, I I think that the funny thing about Mass Effect, I think the funny thing about a lot of RPGs like this is. Shepard is not the is not the most interesting character in the game, mm. like by a long shot. Like Shepard is a very boring person. The people that surround them is are what is interesting. Like everybody loves Garrus. Mm-hmm. You know, rational people hate Ashley. <laughs> so uh, you know, it's it's interesting to like watch these characters and how they interact with each other and how they interact with the world around them. Like the, like like Mass Effect is the only game that I've played where I will read the codex. Right. <laughs> uh, entries. Like I like I like every other game that I played, I do not care about codex entries. But I will read about I will read the codex in Mass Effect. So, uh but like it's it, Mass Effect is really cool and 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 it sucks what happened with Andromeda. Like I've never played Andromeda before, but people seem to not like it, I guess. But Mass Effect like as a concept is very cool. Um you know, and I I want, you know, I want to be able to I want to actually I want to actually be able to use the internet and talk about Mass Effect three without without fear of, you know, a spoiler. Right, right. Especially so. you managed to avoid it for ten years. Might as well, like. Oh my god, it would piss me off so much yeah. if I got to Mass Effect three after all this time, after ten years, and then it happened. Like that would that would really annoy me. I would just never play. I would just never touch yeah. it. Yeah, I'd just leave it alone. I would never talk about Mass Effect again. Yeah. So I don't think the ending is even like it's it's not even worth spoiling in my opinion. And it's not that it's not about whether it's good or bad. It's just like. Mass Effect 3 is definitely like it's a game worth playing for sure and like especially if you liked Mass Effect 2 like just just see the whole thing through yeah I finished the series and I felt like pretty good about it you know like uh, and this was after I guess they had like tweaked some of the ending or something I don't know we'll see that's the thing too it's like right like I don't know what the ending goes uh-huh. I, have, I have no idea it might it might be it might be awful but like I mean like that's the story if that's the story that you wanted to tell then like fuck it yeah like what's the big deal mm-hmm. like it's like I, I, I'm not going to get into the whole tangent about how precious people are with with this shit. Yeah. But like, it's just like, what's the big deal? Yeah. Right. You know. But like, I guess people feel like they could like they they invested all this time and then they got screwed over uh-huh. somehow. But I mean, I get like the investment in Mass Effect, but like I heard some like interesting perspective, which was like, and because I, I never, I never really, I didn't follow video game promotion and stuff like that back then the way that I kind of do now. Mm which is like 
you know, uh, from what I understand, like that game was very much like promoted as like, like, hey, this is like if you want to play Mass Effect, now is the best time to get into Mass Effect, right? Mm-hmm. So it sounds like a lot of like it sounds like a lot of the writing around Mass Effect was was done with the assumption that like this is somebody there's like going to be a lot of people's first Mass Effect game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from what I understand, like one of the big problems with Mass Effect Three is that like the choices that you made in two don't carry as much weight as they probably should. If it was designed like completely as like a continue like a continuation of like the adventures of somebody who had played one and two, but I don't. Again, I don't. This is this is all just secondhand that I've heard, mm-hmm. but like that's what it sounds like to me. Which I can I can certainly get how that would be disappointing if like you have invested like tens of hours into playing Mass Effect up to that point, but at the same time, you know, uh, I think what matters the most to me. I'm not going to speak for everybody, but I think what matters the most to me is like, how do I feel about the time I spent with that game up to that point? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, a, a bad ending could certainly be very disappointing. Absolutely. But like, you know, there's a reason I think that people still have the affection for Mass Effect that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it has a lot to do with like everything that happens before that, before that ending. And there's a reason why people were excited to buy the legendary edition is because like there's still that attachment to, uh, to the to the franchise yeah i'm excited i'm excited to, to get into it and finally be free of the shackles of my fear of this spoiler that i've been avoiding for 10 years i could have it's been in the back of your head this whole time when i bought mass effect 3 for the xbox 360 i bought that game for five dollars at at, a, at one point i bought that game for five dollars like back in like god uh 2015 or some shit and i was like you know what you know, this game's only five bucks. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play through it, and then I, I'm, then I will have to worry about it. But then, I don't know, like my my life kind of got away from me, and then, so now I'm just, I'm still, I'm back at square one, you know. And then people, people like people, everybody, like you know what happens. All these other people know what happens. I'm here just like walking the minefield of the internet, trying not to get Mass Effect three spoiled. Which, by the way, I one of the observations that I made is, do not ever, if you are watching a thing, if you are playing a thing, do not ever type the name of a character into a search engine because I can guarantee you that one of the f- top three search results is going to be name of character, death, mm-hmm. every time. Yep. So don't do it. <laughs> Even if they don't die, it'll still be there. Yeah, because like, but but now like I yeah. think they do. Yeah. Right? And so like now I'm playing with the assumption that like they do. <laughs> and like, and see, here's the thing about Mass Effect is that I know that in Mass Effect 2, somebody can die. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but if I, well, I'm sorry for anybody who hasn't played Mass Effect 2. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, but like, I know that that's a thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to mess with it. But I think it's like, it's one of those things that like, if you like Star Trek, I think, I think Mass Effect was very much made for people who really like Star yeah. Trek. Yeah, pretty much. Because uh, it feel it has a very Star Trek feel to it. I'm saying, I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking like, yeah, I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it this weekend, but I know that I probably won't because I have like, I'm always trying to play like a million different things at once, but we'll see. We'll see where it goes. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Just don't, d- don't let life get in the way and then wait another 10 years to play Mass Effect. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, just like stuck in this endless. See if, if, if Returnal was about me, uh, my time loop would be, I'm starting Mass Effect three and then something happens. And then I'm back in 2021 and, and playing Mass Effect 1 again. <laughs> that's, that's my Returnal time loop. 
that was a lot of fun. Uh, but we're going to get into the uh, little bit darker side of the, of the, of the uh, show here with our uh, personal boss fight. Is there a uh, some sort of difficult situation or struggle you've been going through lately in life that you feel like talking about? Yeah. So I'm going to talk about two boss fights that I've had. Okay. I'll allow it. Okay. Because I'm the guest. Yeah. So guest is always right. Uh, so uh, I touched on it a little bit earlier in our conversation, which is, um, you know, a few years ago, I, you know, I was in a really dark space. I think that I was very much in a place where I had no feeling of self-worth. Um, I had no idea of who I was or what I wanted to be or anything. And I was just, I was just depressed all of the time, uh, constantly. It was a lot of spending a lot of time by myself, like in my room and just like crying or um, thinking about like, like thinking about like, you know, maybe I don't want to be here anymore or maybe like maybe people will be better off without me. Um, a lot of that. And um, it was, um, it got really dark. Um, you know, I'm just going to say that it got really dark at a certain point and uh it was uh, it was a place that I that I was very very certain that I was never going to find my way out of. It took a lot of effort for myself uh, to kind of pull myself out of that. Um, now, if we're if if I was to contextualize this period of my life as like a boss fight, this would be like a raid boss uh, because I think that like it required the collective effort of so many people to pull me out of this. It, it required the effort of myself, of my therapist of my family, my friends to kind of just collectively like surround me and just like pull me out of what I thought was just this, this hole that I was just going to be in forever. But it sounds hokey and it sounds corny, but like love and support that helped me a lot. A reinforcement of my value to other people's life. Cause I think that a lot of times when people are thinking uh, I think when people are thinking of like a way out, I think a lot of it falls back on, you know, I feel like I'm a burden on people and I feel like these people would be better without me around. And like a lot of heartfelt protestations of the contrary. And having that is something that was instrumental to me. I think that it was like a lot of people like, cause I think it's like when you get into a headspace like that, it's very easy to just be like, no, I don't want to talk to anybody. Just like, leave me alone. Just like, don't, don't talk to me. Like just to stay away from me. Um, and a lot of people in my life were like very annoying about like coming to me and like always trying to like always blowing up my phone, always coming to my house and uh, like trying to talk to me and try to hang out with me and spend time with me. And I didn't, I felt like I didn't want them to do that, but I know, but like hindsight being what it is, I know that I needed them to do that. And I think that a lot of the debt that I feel toward the people in my life is because of that. Um, Cause I think it would have been very, I think it's, I think it's exceedingly easy uh, to kind of leave people to their own devices and just not like, not, you know, bother with trying to make them feel like they can be better. I think there's a lot of, it's, a, it's very easy to kind of just be like, you know what? I don't let you handle that on your own. I'm sure you'll work it out. It's, it's very easy to do that. Uh, and it's very easy to feel like, you know, you know what? Maybe I don't want to, I don't want to overstep my boundaries and 
bother them with this. You know, I don't want to overset my boundaries and try to like get in their shit and try to get in their business. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest debt I owe is to my mom. It's funny because whenever I think of my mom, I always like get really choked up because of like, I'm a very sentimental person. And so I think about my mom, I think about all the times when she's kind of like pulled me out of like some shit that I was in and like just kind of just helped me to feel like a human again. Um, and like how much she like how the effort that she has gone gone to. And like, you want to talk about affirmation, right? Like my mom is like this constant source of affirmation, this constant source of like, just like telling me, like she's always telling me like all this great stuff about myself and probably the hardest boss fight of my life was getting myself out of that uh, and having like allowing other people to help me get out of it. Because I think that was one of the hardest parts for me is I had convinced myself that I wasn't worth the effort. So by extension, I'd also say, well, if I'm not worth the effort, then you guys, you guys are wasting your time. So leave me alone. But I'm glad that like, you know, I'm glad that I'm here now, you know, I'm glad that I'm here to, think back on that and be thankful for it. I'm glad that I'm here to extend that, that, that gratitude to the, to those people who were there for me. I think my second boss fight is something that is like something that is kind of, that had been kind of ongoing, but I've now got that boss to the last sliver of its health is uh, just my self doubt. You know um, I think I have a lot of self doubt. I suffer from like, I think I like a lot of people over generation suffer from imposter syndrome quite a bit. Yeah. I feel that. And when I started programming, right, I don't know, like, I think that, like, programming is one of those things that you look at, and it is literally a foreign language, right? And, you know, you look at it, and you're just like, well, how the, like, how do people do that? How am I going to do that? I'm not smart enough to do that. But, you know, it's just the idea of, like, I'm not going to, maybe I just shouldn't even try because I just, you know, I don't think I'm smart enough to do that. I don't, I never, I, I don't have a college degree of any kind. I can't do that. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm, you know, I'm 36 years old with a, with a high school education, you know, and I, and I, and I, I convinced myself that because of that, I am limited in what I can do. Right. So I like, but you know, I decided, you know, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to try, I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn how to program stuff because like, you know, why not? Cause I, I, I like, I like the idea of creating something, but there were, there are times, you know, and like, I'm gonna tell you right now, programming is not easy, Right. It's not, and 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 you know, I think I think everybody knows that, right? But like, it's it's hard to describe how not easy it is until you're actually doing it. And so there were times where like I would get stuck on a problem, and I would just be like, I'd be trying to, I'm trying to get this program to work, and I'm stuck on this problem, and I just can't get it to work. And then that's when the self doubt sets in, and I'm just like, well, you know what? Maybe maybe this is the wall that I hit, where this is where I realize that I'm not smart enough to do this. Yeah, yeah, programming requires like a way of thinking like that's basically unique to programming. And yeah, it, it is yeah. one of those things. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. It, it, we're so hard on ourselves about it. You know, it's like, you're like, how how could you expect to be good at programming until you try doing it? You know, yeah, but absolutely. at the same time, you're, you're yeah. trying it. And you're like, man, this is really hard. Maybe I shouldn't do this. <laughs> yeah. And so like, there was two things that that I had to learn about it. But like, like I would get to my, I would get to a point, right, right, right. Or I hit a problem and I'm like, I just can't, I can't get this thing to run. Like every time, everything that I try is producing an error and it's just, it's just breaking, the program is just broken and I just don't know how to fix it. And I would just sit there, I would sit, I would sit on the couch, like just, just being upset about it. And like my wife is just like, 
if there's anybody in my life who is always just telling me, she doesn't tell me what I want to hear. She tells me what she knows to be true. Mm-hmm. And she's just telling me, like, she, I, I'll be down on myself. She's like, and she'll tell me, like, like, no, like, you are you're a smart person and you can do this. Like, I took a programming course for six months and, like, you already know more than I know. And, like, she's just, she's just been, she's just, like, constantly just, like, saying, like, you can do this. Like, I know you can do it. And like I, and she's always like just talking to me and like hyping me up and making me feel like I can do something. And she's like, she never, like she, she is one person who is never like, well, I mean, if that's how you feel, maybe you should just try something else. Like she just, she's like, no, I know that you can do it. You're going to prove it to yourself. I know that you can do it. And then like, there will be that, then there will the, I'll have that eureka moment where like I do it, like uh, where I figured out like what solution is. And she'd be like, I knew you could do it. And it's not just, and it's not just programming, right? It's not just programming. Like I, I have self doubt about a whole lot of shit, mm-hmm. right? But like she's always doing this thing where she can just talk to me and make me feel capable and make me feel like I can do whatever I actually want to do. And she's that's what she she always says like she's like Ryan, if you want to do this thing, you will figure out how you, how you're gonna do mm-hmm. it. Every time, like if you want, if you actually want to do it, you're gonna figure it out. And one, that statement has helped me figure out like, yeah, programming is what I want to do because I like I, I, I can do this you shit. Keep, yeah, you keep working yeah. on it. Yeah. By the way, side note, thing I learned and like this is for anybody who is like looking to get into programming. One thing that you, one mind shift that you need to have is don't think about like failure is not a thing. Failure is not a thing in programming. And that is something that I had to learn. Like you, you don't fail in programming. You just, you have a bit, you have a bunch of different solutions and then you have one that works. And I got to the point where I stopped being scared of getting, of getting it wrong and got to the, and shifted my mindset to like, like whenever I face the problem, like the inside of my brain, like, like I pick, when I think about it, like I picture like this drop down menu in my brain. And then I click each option in the drop down menu until, until like one of them gives me a green check mark. And so like you have to be, you have to go from being problem oriented to solution oriented and it's a it's a it's a mindset that like I had never had before right but it helps and I think that one of the things that helped me propagate that mindset again is the support of my wife she's just a very, she's always been very supportive and always done everything that she can to make me feel like she's over there like she can hear me so she's hyping herself up <laughs> but <laughs> uh but she's 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 always done everything that she can to make me feel like I'm capable. Cause there are times where like, like I think one of the things that gets in my head is like, I'm too old to do this thing. I'm too old to do this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm too old to like, like how am I, so, how am I like, how am I just going to decide that I'm going to create video games at 36 years old, you know? But she was like, she's like, why can't you, why can't you do that? Yeah. The constant boss fight of self doubt is one that, that I get through with the help of my wife. She's always like, every time that self doubt starts creeping in, She's immediately there to say, you know what? There's no reason why you should be doubting yourself because the only reason, the reason that you're here doing it is because you can do it. And I think that at a certain point, because I, I do feel it rapidly dissipating. I do feel that, that doubt rapidly dissipating. I do feel I, uh, I go, I have gone from, I can't do this to how do I do this? I was watching the show, like my wife and I were watching the show called Startup. If you haven't watched it, you should check it out. No, I don't work for Crackle or Netflix. I'm just saying it's a good show. 
but like there's a problem one of the episodes of the show like a really 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 difficult problem right one of the characters asks the other character like she's like because one of the characters is freaking out because she's like she's like i can't i can't do it like i don't like this like i can't be done and he was like and he asked her he's like is it impossible or you don't know how and that was like i was like whoa which i never thought about that before because he was like she was like and she was like well i just don't know how she's like okay that's fine then we'll figure it out realizing that things aren't impossible is really important yeah that's a major shift yeah and so like and impossible is something that i've learned to like like go of like if i can't figure out a program then i'll just learn how to I'll, I'll i'll keep at it until i can figure it out maybe i don't have the tool i need yet well then let me let me go study some more and get that tool and then let me come back to that now i can solve that problem so but if it weren't for if it weren't for the support of my wife if it weren't for her cheering me on all the time this would be a boss fight that i wouldn't even be close to close to finishing so but yeah, those are my boss fights. Awesome. Yeah. I just have to echo, like, uh, I feel the same with with my wife. Like, and this ties back, I think, to what we were talking about before, where it's like we we kind of think that we know ourselves better than anyone else does. And I think a lot of times that's just not true. You know, like I think we're so close to ourselves that we can't even like judge ourselves properly. So, and then like, who's the next closest person to you? It's probably going to be your, you know, your significant other or whatever, or like, so yeah, like yeah. she spends enough time with you that she's probably a better judge of your, your, you know, of your character <laughs> yeah. than, than you are really. Yeah. Well, I, cause I, I, I think that like, so I heard like a while back uh, and I, and I, and I could definitely, I definitely feel like this is true. We look like looking at the mirror, right? You have this, cogn- you have this cognition of what you look like. Right, you have the cognition of what you look like, and but you know, but but you only you know that's you because you are you're the one looking in the mirror. You're looking back at yourself, mm-hmm. right? But if you were to see yourself on the street, and like you were passing yourself on the street, you probably wouldn't know that was you, right? Because like the the contextual like the context of you is different in that mm-hmm. case, right? But you have someone who spends all this time with you, and they know you. They know they know all this stuff about you. They know they know all these details about you. And they can pick you out. They can pick you out of a crowd immediately. Mm-hmm. And they know the things that make you who you are. They know all the things that drew them to you. They know all the things that keep them around you. And so having somebody who actually knows you that well from an outside perspective, like it's important. It's like it keeps you grounded. It keeps you from either it keeps you from either being too hard on yourself or being too hard or getting too far up your own ass. It's important to have that perspective. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like a romantic partner, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be like your spouse. It doesn't have to be your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever. It could just be like, it could just be your your closest friend. Mm-hmm. It could just be a friend that you trust. But you got to have somebody in your life who does that. Because like, otherwise, like, you're, like, like I was saying at the top of this conversation, otherwise your sense of self gets distorted mm-hmm. and you have, you will have a hard time evaluating yourself that way. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that, you know, my wife and my best friend are the same person. So it's really easy for me to have really ready access to that sort of perspective of who I am. Cause I know that the, you have to, you have to have someone that you can trust not to tell you something that isn't true mm-hmm. or that they don't know to be true. You have to have someone in your life that you can trust to do that because otherwise like your compass is going to get all messed up and, uh, 
but yeah so like if you like that's what i'll say is that if you could fi- like find people who you can bring into your life who will do that find people who who will support you who will exalt you and who will be honest with you and you will always have you will always have everything you need in your life you will always have the kind of relationships that you need in your life and just but also trust yourself to know when something is right for you like trust yourself to know that whether or not you're where you want to be and just go with that like because if you can't trust yourself then you know who can you trust right and just knowing knowing these things about yourself knowing where you want to be knowing what you want to do knowing what you want to accomplish these are important but having someone who can like who can help you focus that having someone who can who can help keep you going when it gets really difficult that's equally as important because I don't think any of us can do this shit alone. It's 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 hard. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that thinking about contextualizing things, especially for people like us who play a lot of video games, like contextualizing things like in terms of boss fights and uh, thinking about it that way, and thinking about like how can I beat this boss? What is the item that I need to beat this boss? How do I get past this obstacle? You know, these these are these are important questions to ask yourself and. Because it's easy to be like, oh, I can't, I can't beat this boss. It's indif- it's dif- it's impossible. Like they designed this boss to be unbeatable. Like, am I supposed to die in this boss fight? Is it what's what's going on? But like, honestly, no boss is unbeatable. You just maybe you don't have the tools to beat that boss right now. You don't have enough experience. Maybe you don't have enough experience, or you just but like, it's there's a there's a wide valley between impossible and I don't know how. And figuring out how to uh, overcome and circumvent these obstacles is important. And but what's equally as important is not assuming that you can't do it, because I think everybody is capable of doing it. If there's a point in your life where you're not capable of doing it, then make sure that you have someone in your life who can help pick up the slack until you get there. Well said. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to. Uh ask you for your for your power up but i think you you got some of that in there so that was perfect yeah i i think that like i am someone like i have like look i'm an i'm an only child like i'm an only child who was also a military brat so like i spent a lot of time by myself and one of the things that has become that had become important to me as i got older is having a circle of people who I can rely on, who I can talk to. And when I got here to Texas 25 years ago, I think that was one of the things that I was, that I was looking for immediately, like as a child. And then as I got older, like that became more and more of a focus for me. I think my power up is, you know, the people that I love, you know, the, my power up is the people that I keep close to me and who make me feel capable and important and loved and it's like it's a cliche answer but like it's just that's where i draw my strength from you know that's where that's where like i can like especially as as especially as someone who is a words of affirmation person like my my strength comes from the people who are around me and um while acknowledging that i am that i am something while acknowledging that i am important and that like 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 all of us i am a big deal but also knowing that what keeps me 
grounded and what keeps me being, one of the things that keeps me honest is just the people that I hold myself accountable to. Like above all else, I hold myself accountable to my wife, but I also hold myself accountable to my friends, to my mother, to, to everybody who I've named as important to me. I am accountable to these people. I'm accountable to, for what I do. I'm accountable for how I talk to these people. I'm accountable for, for the actions that I take that reflect upon me, but like not just me, but they reflect on the people who choose to spend their time with me and associate with me. And I want people to be able to feel good about that. I want people to feel good about being my friend. I want people, I want my wife to feel good about being married to me. I want my mom to feel good about being my mom. Uh, so doing things that, doing things with that in mind, it keeps me honest. It keeps me accountable. Uh, but at the same time, the flip side of that, me being who I am, it's also very easy for me to feel guilty about things when I feel like I've done something wrong. So I'm learning to balance that a little bit better because I, I feel like guilt is not as useful as I've been maybe led to believe. But I think that also that accountability, the reason, the accountability is a reason I feel guilty in the first place. And I want to be able to propagate that in a way that makes me a better person. And so if I want to hold on to my power-ups, then I need to keep being an honest and good person. Because I know myself to be, I know I'm a good person. Mm -hmm. And I spent a lot of my time, I spent a lot of my time telling myself that I wasn't, but I know that I am. And the evidence is the people that I have in my life. I have good people in my life. I do not think that these people would crowd around me if I was less than that. Well said, well said. All right, well, I think we are uh, just about at time, but uh, I wanted to thank you for being on the show. And uh, oh, it's an honor. Let me know if there's anything you want to uh, to plug or like point people to that you can connect with you. Uh, yeah. So I mean, look, I don't use Twitter a lot. Like my Twitter is for cyberbullying politicians and corporations, so you don't really want to follow me there. <laughs> but or maybe you do. <laughs> maybe I mean, hey, look, look, look. If you're an anti-capitalist, anti-corporate, socialist like myself then maybe, maybe we have some things in common and maybe you could follow me on social media. But I mean, I'm not going to plug my Twitter because it's empty and it's just, it's just, I don't use it ever, but you will communicate with me on Twitter if you are a corporation or a politician, but that's about it. But I do, I mean, uh, I do, I do a video game podcast with, uh, with two very good friends of mine called the Save Continue Podcast. Uh, we talk about video games and, and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, as evidenced by my vernacular on this program, there are a lot of, uh, you know, there are a lot of dick jokes, but uh, we also talk, we also talk about video games a lot too. And um, we have some meaningful conversations there too. Um, one thing that I would like to plug uh, absolutely is, you know, honestly, I want to plug and again, reinforce the idea of believing in yourself more and more, more than I don't want, like what's more important to me that anybody going to like listening to my podcast or any of that is I want again to use this as a, as a means of broadcasting the idea of self-love and self-worth. And I want to promote everybody. I want to promote you, Sean, as my friend. I want to promote anybody who might be listening to this. You are worth it. You are worth the investment. You are worth the time. You are important. You are beautiful, you are smart, and you are capable, and you can do great things if you let yourself. 
Don't ever let anybody tell you that you are not worth the time. Don't ever let anyone tell you that you're not worth the effort. Don't ever let anybody tell you that you can't do anything. You decide that. And also, if while you're deciding that, you want to listen to the Save Continue podcast, you are more than welcome to do so. Other than that, that's really it, man. Again, Sean, thank you for allowing me to talk to you on on your show. Like I, I feel... I feel honored. Like I don't like. I think I think very highly of myself. I really do. But uh, I'm always surprised when someone says, "Hey, I want you to be, I want you to be on my podcast." Because like I, there are people that I know that are smarter than me, who have who have perhaps more interesting things to say. But you know, I I do I do appreciate you uh, bringing me on on here, and I I look forward to the chance to do it again. You, you were everything that I hoped for. And I, I think you, you blew a lot of people up here, you know, making people feel good about themselves. And I, I think that's what you do best. So, uh, friendo, thanks for joining me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Boss Fight. Please follow along on Instagram at Boss Fight Podcast, where you'll learn more about our guests and see artwork inspired by the show. Don't forget to subscribe to get future episodes automatically in your podcast player of choice. And remember... Game over isn't the end. It's just another opportunity to get better.